Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org to find a written version of the Roundup with links to all the stories we're going to talk about. Let's go to our first piece of the week, Survey Finds Poor LGBT Health. Kaiser Family Foundation published new research finding that LGBT people were more likely than non-LGBT folks to report poor or fair health, even though the LGBT population is on average younger than their peers. So in theory, the the health of the community, uh, all other things being equal, um, would be better than than that of non-LGBT people. LGBT folks were also more likely than others to report negative experience with providers. And while they used some types of care as much or even more than their peers, other key services, for example, mammograms and gynecological exams, were underused among the population, suggesting that there are quite a few unmet needs and also that, you know, there's a lot of nuance here. So uh, it's not as simple as just saying that LGBT people uh, don't use as much health care or, you know, aren't accessing services. It really kind of depends on the type of service and um, really the, the quality of care that they're receiving as much as kind of the quantity of care. Next up, gender-affirming hair removal works. Researchers found that hair removal procedures among trans individuals was associated with better mental health. Therefore, providing a benefit here uh, beyond just the, the, the important step of having uh, the gender-affirming care itself. The study, led by Michelle Lee, uh, said that this part of gender-affirming care is covered by less than 5% of insurers. Um, but, you know, studies like this may cause that to increase as we learn more about the health benefits of gender-affirming care, such as hair removal, which um, is not something that has been widely studied. Those who had undergone such procedures uh, had less past-month psychological distress, less past-year suicidal ideation, and were less likely to be smokers compared to people who wanted to access hair removal as part of their gender-affirming care plan but hadn't been able to, largely, I I would suspect, because of the financial um, implications of this for something that's generally not covered by insurance. The results of the study do provide evidence um, of mental health benefits here. Uh, and again, you know, this, this is really compelling um, as far as why this type of uh, care should be considered medically necessary, should be covered by insurers, because it is part of someone overall um, being able to, to uh, have their gender identity affirmed um, and just, you know, in general, um, be able to more safely access services, have more faith in the healthcare system, etc. And our next story, PrEP gets coverage boost. So speaking of insurance and what it does or does not cover, Gay City News reported on new guidance from the federal government instructing insurers to cover the costs of PrEP, including doctor's visits and lab work, as preventive care under the Affordable Care Act. 
The move represents another step forward for the HIV prevention option, which really um, has a huge potential benefit for LGBT people, but until recently was mostly paid for out of pocket or using standalone benefits. You know, a lot of uh, state governments have programs um, to help people access this. Um, drug makers themselves have offered different programs to help people be able to access PrEP. Um, but really, the, 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 goal, um, the goal is to have this be covered by by insurance as part of you know any other type of preventive care um, and normalizing it that way and streamlining the process and making it more accessible to more people uh, I think could really help to move um, prep along uh, as far as being a more widely adapted option because we know that so far it's been mainly people who have more financial resources and are better connected to the healthcare system who have been able to benefit from this. Next up, protective factors for LGBT youth. A new study led by Sarah Mintz found that potentially protective factors for youth, including having trusted adults in their lives and having the support of their peers, indeed were associated with lower risk um, of adverse well-being outcomes. Among students who identified as questioning or something other than heterosexual or bi, lesbian, or gay, in other words, you know, students who either have a different identity or, um, you know, may, may be unsure of their current identity. Among those folks in particular, having family support was also a protective factor. The results showcased the importance of support both in and out of school for young LGBT people. Next up, improving mental health data and services. On a related subject um, regarding LGBT youth, Time published an op-ed from the head of the Trevor Project on what can be done to support LGBT youth mental health. The starting point is better data as research on the population is limited, particularly research that can be disaggregated by factors such as race and ethnicity that will help to shine more light on specific disparities faced by subpopulations within the community. The piece also discusses how the general shortcomings of the mental health system in the U.S., which most of us know is, is really lacking, um, how those are compounded for LGBT youth who are the, the one of the groups who most need this type of service. And in our final story for the week, Senate confirmations make history. The Washington Blade reported on two groundbreaking unanimous Senate confirmations, one of a lesbian woman and another of a transgender woman, for positions at the Department of Defense. The confirmations come just months after the government lifted restrictions on trans individuals serving in the armed forces, and only a decade after the end of the infamous don't ask, don't tell policy that restricted sexual minority rights within the military, and, you know, it basically prevented service for a lot of people in general. So really remarkable to see th these confirmations happening, you know, when in very recent memory, um, there were so many restrictions on LGBT people serving in the military. The move comes as LGBT service members and veterans face many health um, challenges and disparities, as a lot of uh, research has shown, some of which we've covered here on the, on the podcast. Um, so really great to see that representation, which, you know, should send a strong message um, to veterans and active uh, service members that, you know, they're, they're being more seen, more included uh, among even the high uh, leadership of the Defense Department. 
Well, that concludes another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to read any of the stories that we've just discussed. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already so that you can tune in next week.